women who have survived unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out more than ever before. This podcast is dedicated to sharing the stories and journeys of women survivors turned entrepreneurs and how they use their strength and tenacity to help other women move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Flow Rising. This show contains adult topics and often contains triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Flow Rising. I'm your host, Megan, and I am super excited to be joined by Laura today. She is going to share some wonderful things about the holistic side of healing, the woo-woo side of healing. I get into this too. So I think I'm really excited to have a great conversation about not only her journey um, and her own healing and some of the things that she's gone through as we always talk on the show, but the wonderful things that she's doing. So Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes. So we always start every show with where you are, what you're doing. I know you have published books. You're doing wonderful things with your own um, practice. So share with the audience a little bit about what you do and who you are on a day-to-day basis right now in your life. So I tend to be very multifaceted. Um, maybe that is my trauma response. I have to have my hands dipped in multiple things. So I'm on the Massachusetts Domestic Violence Task Force addressing five domestic violence bills. We don't get paid for that, but it's still part of the job, right? Um, I also run a business called Healing with Spirit, where we see clients individually. And since I moved my office in October, I've been branding it as more of a collaborative space where other practitioners can hold classes and circles. We do women's circles and meditations and breath work and all kinds of good yummies. So um, so we do that. And I've been doing that since 2006. Um, I was originally in a medical office. So a lot of the work I do, I call it, I'm like the perfect bridge between like the woo-woo and the medical because I come from both worlds. And it's how do we address what has been proven for thousands of years and bring it into modern times with healthcare and and understand, you know, again, we've heard this book, right? We talked about it beforehand, the body keeps score. So, and obviously I, I uh, have my own podcast called Triggers and Spiritual Medicine, where I think that started during the pandemic because I started noticing, especially victims and with the George Floyd thing, and I started seeing an intersectionality that wasn't being addressed. And it's like, how do we, how do we, (laughs) silent mode. Um, (laughs) So how do we address the intersectionality, right? Like a lot of it has the same root cause. Like I, I talked to some of my friends in the BIPOC community, as I said, you know, with racism, we have the same enemy that victims of domestic violence and sexual assault have. How can we address the intersectionality? So it's really about how do we address the triggers? How do we turn the triggers into a power? And we do that through spiritual medicine. So that's the nature. Um, and actually, my next podcast episode is with an amazing, <laughs> she's an international star. Um, she's got millions of followers and she, her book was called sexy, but psycho. And she's been debunking the mental health field because of trauma and, um, and how we pathologize, pathologize women when it's really trauma, right. 
or how do we, you know, we do that with women, but then with men, we, we label their gun violence, their mass murders as a mental health issue. And yeah. so of saying, no, they're just violent men. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that's, so I have that. And then obviously I authored these two babies last year. It took me 10 years. Um, this one is a collaborative book where I talked about um, how I was incarcerated as a way to silence me. They denied my right to a lawyer. They denied my right uh, on a few other things. Um, so I talk about that and what it takes to really kind of address social justice and domestic violence in the family courts and, you know, in a, in a system that wants to silence you and punish you for speaking out. And then this book talks about kind of a collaboration of, of my 20 years of kind of going through what I went through, uh, healing the broken me, and then applying what I've learned with others. So I bridge the science of why this works with the Japanese therapies. And it's really addressing the chronic health issue and mm -hmm. the root causes of chronic health issues, but bringing it and why, why things aren't working and they're broken in the healthcare field and why we're missing the spiritual medicine and these ancient therapies that are proven. Yeah. But it's got to be the ancient therapies that aren't whitewashed. <laughs> so it goes into a yeah. whole other level yeah. like of, of, of things. So this is sort of includes like nine case studies and nice. my story. And so that's kind of like all the tentacles, I guess, <laughs> of where it's at, you know? Hopefully. Well, I, I think I think meeting my guests is one of my favorite things about doing my, my podcast because I, I, I find there's such a common human threat. We've all been through things that, you know, people who haven't experienced any kind of domestic or family violence, just, they look at you and go, how are you still standing? What, how are you not, you know, crazy or any of those things? And I love that most, actually all of my guests, they turned it into this, this power space of, nope, I'm helping others. Like you said, you, you work on the court side because we'll get to your story in a minute. Cause your story, I remember it's funny how a I, I say this on the show all the time. I talk to my guests before they get on the show. And a lot of times when they get on the show, I'm like, oh yeah, this story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when Laura and I first talked, I, I, I remember after getting off the phone with you, I had to sit for a while and just be like, wow, holy cow. So the, I know the path you walked is very interesting, um, that your abuse even extended beyond the marriage. Yeah. Even and actually after I was left. Yeah, I was only married nine years. Mm -hmm. um, technically, I'm still not out of it yet. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that will be 18 years of post-separation abuse and vexatious litigation. Mm -hmm. um, we came to some sort of forcing the halt on him in the past year. Um, and it's mostly because he can only try to control for so long as, you know, the kids eventually do get to a certain age, yeah. but my youngest is 19 um. and he's, he, he still won't allow any contact with my kids and still demanding child support. So we were able to, and refused reunification, everything, you know, and I, and I want to clarify reunification, meaning being with my kids, not reunification therapy, which is another traumatizing abusive system so yeah, let's we do not bring that into it because right. yes <laughs> i definitely want to make sure and clarify the difference and yes. people hear that because as somebody on the receiving end not seeing my kids i would absolutely 100 percent never put my kids through reunification programs no 
because they're money making, they're run by abusers, and it's all to support abusers. And they try. I've met so many children um, that have gone through that who have been traumatized and harmed. So, oh yeah, That's I have, I have like, I have like a duality in my personality. Like I have this person that's been really harmed. And then I have, this is probably why I wear a dragon too, mm. is I have this person that just, and I think even when I was going through my case, I think when I was collecting, I was doing studies and research and court watches. Mm-hmm. And I met this one family that a seven-year-old boy tried to jump out of the therapist's window just to avoid oh. visitation with daddy. Yes. And yet this judge sat there on the bench, the same judge I was trying to get removed from the bench sat there and said, if I ever find out you're lying, you'll never see your son again. Despite the written, the the photographs, the like all yep. the evidence. All the evidence. Like, there was such concrete evidence. The father should have been in jail. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yet the father was being rewarded with unsupervised visitation. Yep. <laughs> like and and you know and threats were made against mom. So you know, it's real. And I think that case actually affected me more than my own and it propelled me further, but it punished me in my own case. Yeah. So it became this like, yes, I have my children, but these children are still our children. Yeah. And I'm not going to sacrifice them for mine and vice versa. And because they're all being harmed. Eventually, this is why we see the gun violence and the mass shootings. It's because of what family court is doing. It's ignoring the patterns of domestic violence. So, yeah. you know, so that's that one end. And then on the other end, like somebody says, well, why don't you just specialize doing holistic therapies for domestic violence? Victims? I said, because yep. most don't come to me for that. They're not connecting those dots. They're saying yep. I have a post-op wound that's not healing. Yeah. I've had two knee replacements in a year and it's not taking, it's not healing. Um, I've got ulcerative colitis and the doctor wants to do invasive surgery. Um, yep. I've got like, I can go down the line. Like, yep. like we were talking about perimenopause and yep. hemorrhagic uterine bleeding, like all these things that are tied to unresolved, unhealed trauma. And I am yep sitting here because one of the things i'm a stark believer i think this is a big mistake we see both in and i'm probably going to get my ass handed to me by some of your listeners but i'm going to say it anyway because i'm all about safety integrity and do your work and if i can say do your fucking work first yeah (laughs) right your work yeah because like we i've seen so many well-intentioned healers practitioners Mm -hmm. doctors and this also goes into the medical field too Mm -hmm. okay doctors lawyers whatever well-intentioned folks perpetuate harm yeah uh, and they don't realize they're doing it and if we're talking the healing space because that's the space i'm coming from as well as healthcare um that can exacerbate somebody where maybe they had some symptoms that could have been controlled because if you got to the root issue yeah. And then it exacerbates into a lifelong dependency. Yeah. Right? Whether it leads to addiction, whether it leads to homelessness, like some of these things, if it's early intervention, can be yep. rectified and we won't be having a culture of chronic illness and disease like we have it today. Yeah. It's it's one of the reasons I think that I'm super passionate about having this show is because I started doing my own research for myself. I'm I, I'm just, I'm a recent, when I, when I want to know something about what's going on with me, I just go down the rabbit hole and start looking at things. And 
the amount of misdiagnosis that it all goes down to, you know, we joke and we tease about Freud who said, tell me about your mother. But if we could just go back to what was, I mean, I'm 42. It's just barely a year now that I've recognized I grew up with a narcissistic mother that actually is, when I unboil it, it's like, oh no, that goes back to four. Oh, oh no, there's like, it goes back to childhood as to how that's ingrained in my body. And then how, how was I it react ingrained to things hers? today? And then but how it was, was it ingrained, right? How, yep. So it's like, you know, I, one of the podcast episodes I did with a friend of mine who was recovering from breast cancer in her 40s. Mm-hmm. And she said when she went to work going through her treatments, she said it was the white women that started treating her horribly at work. Yep. And she couldn't understand why. But it was the black women that actually rallied around. And this is a white woman, by the way. Yeah. And she wrote this beautiful thing. I told her she needed to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> I said, every white woman needs to read this. Like, and I had her as a podcast guest and it was how the burning times of witches influence white women culture today. And I'm sitting there going like, oh my God, like, yes. like everything from like, you know, especially if we've got abusive mothers, where did that come from? Right. A lot of it came from survival. Oh, right. Generations and, and generations. And, right, generationals yeah. are just pure survival. Yeah. Right. And in the conditioning of women to hang out other women, like I said, you know, I, I remember even looking like, why am I like having these ill feelings about this woman? Like I was not like, there's no justification. So where are they coming from? And then I wonder like how much of that seed is so deep, like in our DNA codes and everything else. And yep. like, it's just nuts. So like to flip, like the podcast guest, my June podcast guest is an expert in this field from the medical end. Yeah. Who's debunking this? And I'm going like, Yes, because it goes back all the way to when they used to diagnose women with hysteria because they couldn't control right. them, right? Well, it, and it, it wasn't any, them. It was just someone who, and and that's that's how what I'm learning is that white white old white men oh, oh couldn't yeah, control it, women diagnosed with the condition. Yep. So it was it was diagnosable condition, and that's that's what I'm I'm learning. Like every time, like there's this hesitation in me to go. Oh, blame my mother, blame my grandmother, blame my great grandmother. But at the same time, I'm like, is it blame or is it just accepting that that's where it came from and putting it where it belongs so I can free myself from that pattern and go, okay, I I don't want to repeat it. So see, I'm the first generation to not have a daughter in, I can't even tell you, I mean, daughters and daughters and daughters and daughters, and I had a son. So there's so many, so many layers to this, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's like, you know, if we go into like the healthcare, which, you know, there are branches of healthcare that do address this because I came sure. from a family of osteopaths yes. and a lot of their formal training was in rooting out causes, right? Yep. And so family history and lineages were hugely important to yep. understanding what was happening, what preceded, right? Mm-hmm. And I know like, so in my own stuff, it was, okay, unpacking, I call it unpacking and yep. how many of us, we just want to uh you know medicalize and and trivialize and avoid and to if we can just find a way to embrace the pain as nothing more than a gps signal saying turn here turn there because if we start pilling it away proceduring it away it's just like they wanted to do a hysterectomy on me and i said mm-hmm. if this is ptsd related how is that going to fix it it's and they said it, it won't and I said, then I need to fix it. And guess what? I still have my uterus today, 10, 10 years later. Okay. That's so, huge. That's huge because, but the thing is, we have to be willing to understand it. And we have to be willing to unpack 
And so it's like, well, it's just easier to have it out. Okay. Well, it is. Right? In some regards, it feels like it is, but it's a it temporary band-aid, just like everything else, just right? Just like everything else, yep. And it's like certain, even certain spiritual practices, and I see it even in Reiki, and please, I hope I don't offend anybody in the Reiki field, because I'm a Reiki teacher as well. Yeah. But I've seen a growing trend in the last five years where we've stripped so much of what the core Reiki was. Yeah. That it's become this euphoric. I want to come and feel good. And it's wow. a temporary fix. I said, you can have a glass of wine for that. Mm -hmm. Reiki, when it was first created, for instance, it was actually used by the Japanese Navy to, to, um, to uh, reduce medical waste and improve healing outcomes. So it was used for a medicinal purpose. Yeah. Okay. As a healing modality, and it was it was used by medical doctors, and the Japanese Navy hopped on it, obvious reasons, because yeah. they were involved in all these wars. Yeah. But you know, if if it was adopted there, and it was adopted, you know, for those reasons, then we're missing something. And if it yeah. worked, then we're the ones that are missing something, not them, right? No. So, um, and yeah, and it's just like the, the it was it's used to heal root issues. Again, it's it's dressing root issues, root issues, root, root issues, right? And not everybody is up for that. Not everybody no. is up for, um, some people say, Lord, that's such some deep work. Not everybody wants like just to feel good today. And I get that. That's where all the fee shit comes in. Okay? <laughs> you, don't want, yeah. you don't want to repeat patterns. Yeah. If you want to break the cycle so your kids don't live what you lived and pass yep. those genes on. So this is where it, like, right, you've got the medical, then you've got the energetics and you've got all these these little yeah. tentacles, right? These, you know, in Japan with the teachings where, you know, we've, we've heard like what the mental body, the physical body, and the spiritual body, right? Body. Yep. But when you really think about it, when we have trauma, I always say, if we're a three-legged stool, each leg represents the mental, physical body, the spiritual body, and, and the physical body. If you're only addressing like one avenue, then you're, you can't become whole. No. We can't become whole. No. And people want quick fixes. We've, we've become a country yeah. that we want a quick fix. And trauma doesn't always happen that way. Now, can I say after 20 years doing my work that um, I have fully recovered everything? Not 100%. And I've got one more thing. And if I can say, yes, I beat that, then I can say, you know what? I am a walking poster child for this. And let me tell you, it's worth it because the liberation and the freedom and the yeah. one thing I can say, I'm off all my meds that I was diagnosed with, with mm -hmm. complex PTSD. Yep. You know, so I, I avoided a hysterectomy. I avoided other medical procedures. Yep. I avoided antibiotics. That's taking back control. Yep. And I think as a trauma survivor, we also forget how it also sees. It yeah. sees how we view inner misogyny. It, it, yeah. Like we look at rape. It's like I've done decolonization work with rape survivors because yep. we like to self-blame because society blames rape survivors. Rape survivors. Yep. When we can understand where that ideology comes from, then now so so then all of a sudden we are no longer carrying it. Yeah. What a big burden. Or or yeah. I have to testify. So if I testify against him and and based on my testimony, he either goes to jail or doesn't. And I ha and I remind people if I'm dealing with that type of work, that advocacy yep. part, I tell them, you're just a witness for the, for the state. This isn't. If he goes to jail, great. If he doesn't go to jail, great. This is about you telling your story shamelessly and not yep. giving a fuck what happens. No, letting it go. That's, there's, so much, there's so much healing in that. Yeah. I think that that's, I'm, I'm learning 
and that I'm, I am, I mean, I'm in August, it'll be four years since I finally got my abuser out. Um, and probably I would say maybe 18 months since I really dedicated and committed and just dove into, no, this is the work. This isn't, you know, and I'm, I feel hugely blessed that I'm, I'm with a partner now who he takes all of the, what I call the external world, external world burdens, the financial, the, you know, the, the going out in the world, the working, the, you know, when we have, when we have people, it's to our house that he gives me this space and literally it's a space, it's a house, it's a home. It's the first time I've ever had it. And he says, your only job is to heal because a whole Megan is what this world needs. Yeah, That's we like, really need, we need the men to rise up. You know, we need the yes. men to call out other men because we can't, we can't do it. And, and there is a big silencing, you know, yeah. um, where men will just allow men to be men. But yeah, this is a, this is, this is like, if we go domestic violence is just a piece of it because it's also yes. racism. It's also misogyny. It's because if it wasn't those things and patriarchal thinking. If it wasn't those things, then what happened to us wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Society would have stepped in and said, yeah. no, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. But I mean, like, you know, you were married for nine years. You've been fighting the, the good fight for 18. I was married for 18 and you and I probably get the same, same looks. And I'm sure you've had this over the years of, you know, again, blaming the victim. Why did you stay? Wasn't it just so easy to walk away? Why'd you keep letting him beat you? Why'd you stay after, for me, you know, he started well, beating think, me shortly in. Why I, did you stay? Yeah, I think there's something interesting that's happening, though. I think after what we've witnessed politically in the last four or five years, mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's, I'm noticing it's less about that and more about, well, what did you do for, for the system to not protect you? You had to have done something wrong. Why haven't you seen your kids? Like, as I mentioned, I think in yeah. the, the notes I sent you is that this past weekend, and I really would love to acknowledge her. Oh, yes, absolutely. Catherine Kastanoff um, passed away. She was, uh, she worked in the government, I think the AG office or the DA's office, I can't remember which one, mm -hmm. um, in New York. And even with her expertise and knowledge, she was literally, it makes my story look pale compared to hers. Yeah. And it was every day relentless of threats. And he was going to incarcerate her. He was going to jail her. He was going to, he was going to kill her. He was going to do all these things. Well, guess what? She developed cancer. So I look at that as again, body keeps score. Yes. The body couldn't withstand because the system was allowing him to day in, day out repeatedly abuse, repeatedly take the kids away, repeatedly say yep. she's going to jail, having to watch over her back as she was being stalked and recorded and all these other things. Yep. And um, she killed herself. But she did it in a, in a country that it's legal. And it was, she wouldn't have been able to, here's, here's the catch. Well, then she had to have some sort of mental illness. She had, maybe the PTSD got too bad. Let me tell you, every survivor who has gone through what her and I have gone through I guarantee you, if we admit it to ourselves, we all said we want to check out because it's not, it's not, not even seeing the kids. It is, you can only handle the dagger so much and the pain so much. Mm -hmm. And that the system is saying, yes, more daggers, more daggers, more daggers. 
Yeah. And there's nowhere to turn to breathe. Yeah. And it's easier to die than to slowly suffocate. I can't okay. imagine. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and unfortunately she, she passed in, I think in Switzerland where, yeah. it's, where it's legal, Correct. but she has to pass the mental things. So she didn't yeah. pass because she was depressed or anxiety. She passed because she just said, I'm done. I'm I, done. This, is, I, this is just too much. I'm not getting justice. And it's not, I think that's another piece we have to talk about because, you know, her voice needs to be heard. And I am mm -hmm. praying to God that the FBI investigates and criminally charges Alan Kasimov for, you know, his role. We've seen people, you know, bully people into suicide, yeah. right? Oh, yes. And this is exactly what he did is exactly this. And he should be held criminally charged for her death. And, well, and I think for me, so yeah, it's, it's interesting for me that my, my stories, um, like I said, I stayed for 18 years, but then as soon as, as soon as I got him out, he did the exact opposite, which is went completely silent. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it depends on, 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 on you know, if they, yeah, it's weird. I almost wish that he wouldn't because now I'm scared of what the, what the fuck happens when he decides to just show up at my door. And that's one day at a time though. One day at a time. And that's like even, even last night, this it's so interesting. I didn't even tell my partner cause he hates, he, he is a man who just absolutely hates what other men have done to me. And I had dreams last we night need, about we my need, ex. We need, his, we need his voices to rise up though. With oh, it. and he's, he's teaching our boys cause we have good each have a boy and yes. And, uh, but even last night, just having dreams about my ex, just showing up at my house and doing all of the things that you experience, which is taking away the kid. And, and, and I have full, I have full legal custody. Like he just signed it over. He was done. And yet there's even, so whether they're my, physically my, doing my it. Ex, my ex did that too. Yeah. And then he and, waited and then he convinced me to drop the restraining order. Yep. And then what he did, I don't know what state you're in, but I've I, always I, said, yeah. this, this is a problem with judges. He went in with a different judge ex parte, meaning I wasn't even present in the courtroom, Correct. made up a bunch of stuff that wasn't even true. Yep. Like, I, I think it took me seven years to even get the court tapes of what he said that day. They wouldn't even let me see the court tapes. It took me seven years. And, um, and when I heard them, he said that I was having orgies. I'm off my meds. I haven't seen my psychiatrist. And I'm like, first of all, any judge with any kind of training would know that he would be lying because to get that information violates HIPAA law. It, no okay. psychiatrist would ever get that up. They'd be, they'd and, be and, and like, I'm sitting there going like, wow. I go, and if the judge would have just looked at the file, yeah, see that the restraining order was recently dropped, that this yep. was a, this was a legal ploy yep. to take my kids away as a, as like a chess match, mm -hmm. you know, I would have probably gone down that route, you know? And, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he, he begged, he kept begging even after he incarcerated me the first time, plus six months of criminal court community service, which rapists don't even get. Okay. No. And, um, he kept begging the judge for more because he cost me my job as a result as a teacher at a college Sure. And it was taking, it was the peak of the last recession. So mm -hmm. it was taking a long time for unemployment to kick in yep. for me to pay him child support. So they threw me in jail for $300 because I refused to cut him a check, despite the fact that 
it has been proven that he has changed my mailing address, hacked into accounts, tried to steal money from my bank accounts when his name's not even, like I can make a list, right? And oh. so I contacted the Department of Revenue to have it taken out. They didn't take it out of my account yet. So they threw me in jail because they were pissed that I got the Department of Revenue involved. So when I got out mm-hmm. and the money still hadn't been taken out yet, because again, it's the state, I have no yep. control over that. Yeah. And um, he kept begging that I go to jail for six months to teach me a lesson, but yet denied me access to my children, phone calls and visitations. And the judges allowed it. Wow. The judges allowed it. And to this day, I have not seen or spoken to my children in 12 years. That's got to be hard. What is it that you do for yourself to get through that? I, I ask my, so, my guests a lot. How do you cope with that? So everything, I think initially, you know, I, I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm multi-generational, like intuitive and healer to begin with. Yeah. I think when things really got bad, I remember driving over a bridge and I kept asking spirit, show me a sign that this decision I made was the right one. Yeah. Okay. And, and it was basically over hiring a new male lawyer. Cause the first one was, did have mental issues and mm-hmm. sabotaged my case. And I didn't have any money because <laughs> yeah. for obvious reasons. So yeah. it was like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't hire another lawyer and I felt like I was at his mercy and he signed away my rights despite my opposition. And so I had gotten a new, new lawyer who's who took on my case pro bono who candy highly recommended yeah. and i go but it's a man like i'm sitting there going mm-hmm. oh my god and we're driving saying show me a sign that this guy's gonna do right by me show me a sign right and two hours later i saw two angels in the sky oh. so it was holding on to something bigger than my story yeah. right that there's something bigger that my story is one thing but if you're stuck in your story and you can't see outside. So I, so that's when I started doing things like what's the past life connection to my ex-husband. Right. So if you believe in any of that stuff now, does it mean it's going to make what the court situation go away? No, No. but it's going to take that effect on my nervous system and it's going to address it differently. So he doesn't steal any kind of joy left. Yeah. So it's being able to, how can I still live a happy functional life despite the fact of what happened because I can't mm-hmm. control it. Do I miss my kids every freaking day? Of course. Every day. I'm a grandmother now. Aww. And so whatever he said to me, but I've also done enough work on myself yeah. that when I do work on myself, I impact them. Right. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that even if I never see my kids again, hopefully energetically, they will do better and choose better partners than I did. Hopefully Um, I can break that generational cycle of abuse by doing the work that I'm doing on myself. So that's where I kind of like, you know, I don't justify isn't the right word. It's make peace, make peace with with it because, you know, first it was, Oh, they're almost 18. You know, they're going to want to know. But then I started hearing the things he was telling them. He flat out wanted them. And he even testified. He wanted the kids to forget that the whole, not just me, but the whole maternal side of the family was wiped out of their entire brain. Yep. Okay. So I can't control that. Now they're old enough now. And I just pray that someday they just lost their two grandparents in the past two years. Yeah. 
that, and my daughter lost her dog that was used as a therapy dog, just passed away two years ago. Yep. All these things like time is on my side, but not on theirs. I think yeah. that makes sense because does, like, yeah. I'm just waiting for that day for them to come and open my arms and to be in a frame of mind, to be able to handle the backlash, to handle yeah. their anger, to handle their resentment and whatever else comes my way, because I've done enough of my own inner work and yeah. addressing my triggers and the root issues to those triggers that yeah. go back generations and multiple yeah. lifetimes. So for me, and I think... I think this is where also getting involved in legislative and policy work mm -hmm. to try to make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen to somebody else. Yeah. I guess it makes what happened to me like I can't I can't find the right words without it coming out wrong. So it's like <laughs> it's like what happened to me, like it, it doesn't dull it. It does it just makes what makes it worthwhile. Like at yeah. least I'm doing something. Yeah. with it right yeah i'm doing something with it um it's made me i'll tell you because of me overcoming because this is a, this is a mistake i see a lot of spiritual people and healers make they focus a lot a lot of a lot of them focus on martyrdom that they oh. have such a big heart but they don't this is where indirect harm yeah. or they go well because i was a victim of domestic abuse i'm an expert now but they have no training oh, and yeah. they have no idea the harm that they're perpetuating and so I have both the training, I have both done the unpacking because I, I want to be that person that can sit here and say, I empathize with you, but if I didn't do my work, it'd be, I just empathize with you. Yeah. It could be, but now I can say, I empathize with you. This is what I've learned, helped me get past this X, Y, and Z. And this is what I've seen my clients do. X, Y, and Z. So it's yeah. solution oriented and it's fact-based because I'm walking my talk. Yeah. And I think there's not enough people that t walk their talk. There's a lot of talkers and not a lot of walkers. Yeah. And I think I've branded myself as somebody who walks it. I still have the pain, Yeah. but it doesn't consume me. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to hear. I, I, Again, that's one of these reasons that I have so many guests come on and, and share that it's not about it's not about minimizing what we've been through. It's not about minimizing the healing. It's about saying that there is this this healing, like like you said, that it heals generations. Like we, you know, a lot of a lot of survivors have children. I can't do my son's healing. He was 10 years old when he left. There was things that I know that he hasn't uncovered with the, his own therapist yet. And I've told him, and I won't, I will not force that on him. I will not tell him the stories I, from my perspective, but I've told him because he's, he's doing EMDR right now, but whatever, whatever methodology, when your brain lets you feel it, when it uncovers, when it unlocks, I'm here. I will answer any question you have. I will support you. I love you. You need to scream and yell. I won't take personal affront because there are things and, that and, could have been prevented if I'd left. And well, I was going to say, but yet the thing, but also for you yeah. to make sure that you forgive yourself and recognize that you were yeah. not in a place to be able to help him then, right? And I think that's where we talk about multi generational. Like I've made like 
like uh, 10 years ago, I was saying that my mother was going to die a miserable old bitch. <laughs> Seriously. Okay? I'm there. <laughs> I mean, my, my mother was abusive, but so was my father. Okay. Yep. And they were just two very abusive people. Yep. Now, when it came to domestic violence in my household, my father was definitely absolutely 100% the one at fault. Okay. Um, he is the one that put a gasoline tank in the middle of my living room. And when I was, and I overheard him at the age of 10 or whatever it was, say he was going to burn the house down with all of us in it. Okay. Yeah. Just shit like that. Right. Yeah. And then I wonder why, like, I, I didn't really let a guy rape me. It was my first boyfriend who told me I had to give to him. And even though I resisted, he kept saying no, but then I was guilted into what uh, was obligation. No, yep. he sexually assaulted me. Let's just call it for what it is. What right? it is. Yep. And then you wonder where the patterns, how I ended up with a guy blindsided yeah. that stole 20 years from me. Yep. But here, here's the thing. If it wasn't for him stealing those 20 years, I wouldn't be unpacking all the prior, probably, trauma that led to all this to begin with. And nope. I wouldn't be in a position to help others unpack their shit because there aren't too many people that know how to do it and hold space in an appropriate, balanced scenario where you're balancing not just the physical body, the mental body, but also the spiritual bodies, right? Yep. And knowing how to use these spiritual I do spiritual practices and I was like fascinated like neurofeedback and I was going to go get certified and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was hearing this one trauma expert talk about in this conference and, and she's saying, well, yeah, we did, you know, four sessions of body work and we did 14 sessions with neurofeedback and had like a 20% improvement, which is significant improvement after 14 sessions. And I'm sitting there going like, wait a minute. I just had a guy come from the emergency room three days ago. Okay that came to me full like the whole body tremor they said it was anxiety related i don't actually i thought it was more neurological than anxiety like like either underlying autism spectrum or sure. or, or something else that was triggering the anxiety i didn't yeah. feel like the anxiety was was multiple but to make a long story short was i had them come on an emergency basis i saw them that evening by the next morning, they were 80% symptom improved. By the next day, 85% symptom improved. We just had to figure out what was triggering the rest of the 15%. Yeah. And that was after three days, not 14 yeah. sessions, three, 36 hours. The first 36 yeah. hours, 85. I'm going, wait a minute. I go, then I'm not doing neurofeedback because what I am doing, both with the Japanese therapies and with the, I, I use metal bowls and things like that, 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 that tap into certain brain waves mm -hmm. that help re-regulate um, certain brain functioning. Yeah. So, you know, so much like EMDR, but just a different tool, right? Oh yeah. So it's just, you know, and I'm sitting there going like, wow, like this is where we fail. And how much does that equipment cost? Oh, and <laughs> well, dollars just to how have? many people, how many people can actually access it because insurances don't pay for that kind of stuff. Only, only people who can private pay get access to that. And yeah, 20% improvement. Great. Yeah. I, I would like, you know, like you said, 80% improvement. I want to get down to the, but I, I want to go back to what you said was when I started my healing journey, I thought, okay, here we go. We're going to start un unpacking the brain and start recognizing all the 18 years and almost instantly. And I'm a very spiritual person too. And so almost instantly source was like mother, 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 like just, it was something about my mom. And I can remember it was last June. I went to a family function and I'm just like gonzo. I'm, we're driving and my partner's like, what do you need right now? 
What do you need? And I said, I don't want any of them to touch me. I don't want hugs. I, I don't even want to be there. He goes, we don't have to go. And I'm like, no, I overrode myself, which that's patterning. Right. But the one baby step I was able to take that day was I let no human being give me a hug. And it did, I mean, the most, huge. And it was the most empowering thing for me to go, wait a minute. They have no, I have body autonomy. They didn't have the right to push me into uncle's arms. I won't use names, but uncle's arms, who was a tickler, who was abused by an alcoholic. And he tickled people as a way to make them feel uncomfortable because he felt uncomfortable and I had to feel uncomfortable. So he'd feel comfortable in a room with me. I didn't want to be near him. I knew that at five, six, seven, my body knew that. And I was pushed, physically pushed to doing that. And I was like, no. I'm yep. 41 years old going, no. And that baby step was like, this is family. And yep. all of that going back and back. And then remembering all those weird stories that I would hear about my great-grandmother, my great-great-grandmother. And none of my, I'm pretty sure that every woman in my family alive has been gay for generations yeah. and never wanted to have kids. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, Just it's fascinating, right? So like, indeed. I would say with you, like, yeah, I mean, there's so many different layers. Oh, to go back to my mom, I was going to say that is because of all that stuff. But I was able to give, so she developed a disease because of her trauma. So unpacking, understanding why she was the way she was. Like she, I, I, there was something in her that made her feel like she needed to be, she needed to poke buttons because that was, she was the oldest in the family. She had to take care of her siblings. So this is where she was a good mother up until a certain age. Like, so fascinating to see like how it all kind of played out. Um, In her case, it was an abusive mother and her mother was abused by her father, an extreme form of abuse. And she lost a sister due to illegal abortion in 1930s. And she lost her brother in World War II. So there was a lot of abuse there and trauma. And so, and my mother being the oldest was basically the one that took it all on. So, when we can see them from a human or like a client outside of like what you did to me, then we know yeah. how to move forward. So she gave me a gift and that gift was dementia. And in this case with dementia, she wasn't because the dementia wasn't putting her into, you're not allowed to do this. She wasn't putting her into an unhealthy boundary state yep. or a control state, or I'm going to poke button state. It was, and I think it was when Feisty came out when I really realized, and she was reading it. I go, mom, the one trait I didn't inherit from you is your ability to read quickly and thoroughly. Like I got my dad's ADD and dyslexic. My mother could go through a book in an hour. And I'm like, why did I inherit that? (laughs) She read my chapter and and she, she she started crying. She goes, I didn't know this. How come I didn't know this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so there began actually the next year um, where we were able to heal yeah. some of those wounds that she did up to me as a child, yep. um, as an abuser, yep. and as well as a victim of domestic violence who didn't protect her children as she could have. So there was a lot of healing, which I think was very powerful and because I'm also trained with a lot of indigenous elders of multi-lineages in a very sacred way. And a lot of times when you get into these lineages, 
it's usually by invitation. So I, I take that with a great sense of honor and mm -hmm. integrity. But I was able to apply that and help my mother transition in a very mm -hmm. ceremonial way that if I didn't unpack, first of all, a lot of the stuff, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So if I was where I was 10 years ago, there's no way I would have been able to do it. Yeah. Nor would I have been able to almost treat my mother like a client mm -hmm. and and help repair our mother-daughter bond. So when mm -hmm. she transitioned, it was healed. It didn't need healing after she transitioned. Yeah. It was done. Yeah. And that was a gift. And I was able to do that with my dad too. My dad was a little more stubborn. So there's still, I think, some things that need healing on that end. Yeah. But my dad, my dad just doesn't, he just uh, didn't like asking for help was his biggest challenge. Yeah. And so he did, he did allow it, but we did, weren't able to address some of the deeper things that needed to address. And so, but I know he's there and I know he's trying to do the best he can to learn, to grow, to help um, make things better. And, right. and, and the weird thing was, after they passed, there was something, and I said to those who are spiritual kind of may understand this. Yes. There was something that happened after my mother passed. It was a huge weight of whatever generational trauma there was. It was gone. It was, yes. it was like, there's no more. Like, I won't have to suffer that anymore in anymore. this entire lifetime. I'm 52 years old that cycle somehow got broken. And I, I still try to sit with why is it that it took for them to pass for it to break? Yeah. I don't know why that is yet, but I find it fascinating. And I'm praying yeah. that my kids can get to know the mother that they lost before it becomes my time, you know, I think and, it, but I can only yeah. hope. Well, and I think that that's the important piece of this as we kind of wrap up our time is that the healing that we choose to do in ourselves doesn't just affect us. It really, you know, it affects those who maybe did abuse us as children and helps them in ways that we backwards. can't know. Both, it does. So like, so like in a lot of these indigenous cultures, we're doing ancestral or generational mm -hmm. healing. It goes back. It can go back seven generations back and seven generations forward. Forward. So yeah. this is where like having the courage to unpack. And yeah. don't, let me get, don't get me wrong. Like, Ah, oh, God, it was, must have been, actually, must have been close to 10 years ago. <laughs> I was going like, fuck you, universe. I didn't learn all these tools to do all this for nothing. This fucking sucks. Fucking bring it. I don't give a shit. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't yep. give a shit if it's past life, generational <laughs> shit, this life <laughs> shit. I don't give a fuck. Fucking bring it. I yep. woke up three hours later having hemorrhagic uterine bleeding as if I was miscarrying a child. Oh my okay? God. Like huge claws. Like it, yes. I, I, I've miscarried and it totally felt like I was miscarrying yes. a child. And so, and my teacher, when I went for my teacher trainings, I flew out three days later and I was still having the repercussions of this and spirit told me things were going to fix and it, took, it was going to take 30 days to process yep. my physical body to process it. Okay. And my teacher wanted to send me to the ER and send me to a <laughs> veteran doctor and, yeah. and and I just said, yeah, but I unload something. I would never, there's a reason why we unpack trauma in yeah. layers, not the way I did it. Because if, if you didn't, didn't have like the kind of training in, in some of these other fields, I almost put myself in a hospital. Yeah. So it's not easy doing when we unpack this stuff. Yeah. You do it with a highly skilled professional 
If you do it with somebody spiritual, make sure they actually have the trauma trained. They're not just a survivor. I've seen a lot of well-intentioned survivors perpetuate harm because they're going based on their story, yes. not based on training. Not nope. everybody processes trauma the same. Nope. No, I agree. And that's that's why I, I tell people, you know, find people who are trauma-informed. When you find them, um, ask them, you know, what modalities do you use? And then ask this very important question. Have you used, have you done this modality yourself? Yeah. Do you know what you're like, what kind of experience do you have with it? And I think that it took me a long time to find a therapist because of that, because I would start going down the rabbit hole and these therapists would be like, well, I handle little T trauma. I'm like, trauma is trauma is trauma. Do you handle trauma or not? Yeah. And they're like, do you know what no, I, think? I don't. Do you know what I think is another, this is just from my own exploration, but also doing decolonization work as well. Mm and understanding the link with that with trauma is finding healers because I also find a lot of white supremacy mm. healers, a lot of white, white supremacy, spiritual folks, a lot of yeah. white supremacy doctors and patriarchal and colonized mindsets. If they, you want to find out how much they've unpacked in their yeah. own inner racism, their own inner misogyny, their own inner patriarchy, because it is, 100 I am convinced it is 100% like those missing pieces you're looking at it is because that's what's been ingrained yeah so it's ingrained in our belief system because of the conditioning right so it's how do we unpack that and do you have teachers and healers that have done enough of their own packing or can refer you to somebody yeah. who has that to do that level because that's a whole nother ball game. And I'm a firm believer you can't address root issues if you haven't unpacked those issues too. Yes, it, it is. intersectionality. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and that's, that's the thing that when, when we start, like you said, it, un unpacking in layers is vital. And, and I think that you go down deep, but you have to know when to come up for fresh when it air. Come up for fresh and, air and, and, yep. and just like a whale, a whale goes down, they go down deep. Yep. which is symbolic of going into the deep emotions, the shadows, yep. all that stuff. But the whale still can't stay down there too long. It still has to be able to come up and breathe. Yep. They're not. And then glide in the sun for a while. And then they yep. do it again. Do it again. So it's knowing when to come up for air, knowing yep. when it's, when, when the body is ready to process the next layer. Yep. And I, and I think that that is, that is key and huge to, to end with that as, as you find people to help you, or if you yourself are someone who is a survivor who wants to help people take the time to do the unpacking yourself and take the time to work with people who are trained or get trained yourself. If you really are called to help, because there is something super important about that aspect to truly helping others heal. You know, Absolutely. that's my space is it, I tell people my space is I'm a storyteller and I am a listener. And that is why the space that I offer is a podcast because that's where I'm at is that sharing and talking and bringing stories to light. But would I ever say that I'm going to coach or heal or I, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll be called to that. But today, not yeah, where I'm at. And that's recognizing it's, it. It's just, you know, we, we are well-intentioned. I think the people I've seen do it, they're well-intentioned. They just yes. want to help people. Yes. But I think this is where the, the unintentional harm comes in. Yeah. It's their own inner bias that they don't know that they're they're shedding, or their own stuff that they haven't unpacked, unpacked yeah. and or or 
the fact that they haven't done enough training on on how people process trauma mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, psychically, yep. spiritually, spiritually, and and yep. in the body. Like so, it's 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 in all these layers, and it yeah yeah. I mean, I've got it's hard to believe it's been almost twenty years of me doing this work. So. It goes, it's, it's, it's fun all- how it's, it goes, it goes, it goes slow, but fast. I say, you know, as you, like, I look back and go, wow, it's been four years and I'm sure someday I'll blink and go, wow, it's been 20. Right. Right. So- it's amazing how quick it goes. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And it is hope for those who are listening out there that it does, it, it does get better. There it is. Does. It does get better. There is actual healing. It and is not all pain and anger and sorrow all of the time. There no, is actual healing and joy and love big- of life. Perhaps. The- the biggest piece, I think, is having the courage yeah. to work with all the bodies yeah. within you and face the pain. The yeah. pain is just the GPS directing you on how to either love it, release it, scream it, whatever yeah. whatever it is to release Feel it, it from yeah. the body. When you can... When you can... And then some of it, sometimes it's just how do you re-regulate your nervous system? Sometimes it's, geez not feeling guilty that you want to sleep for two hours in the afternoon. Right. Yep. Cause again, that's patriarchal thinking. Yep. Right. So yep. and understand that and this is my trigger here at my throat. Yeah. My throat's the last oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> is, is, you know, not feeling guilty about that and being okay with that because that's what your body is saying. It needs to rest and recoup because we do a, most of our healing in the sleep. And I think we've pathologized when people say, oh, they're depressed after divorce or whatever. Oh, well, I sleep all the time. Maybe, who said that that's a bad thing? Our bodies need that. There's, I mean, there was so long, so long that we didn't actually rest and now our bodies are calling for it. Yeah. So Laura, I ask all of my guests, if somebody who hears this really wants to connect with you and would like to you know, know more about you, maybe work with you, get connected to your books, What's a really good way for someone to get connected with you right now? So I'm on every major social media platform, either under Healing with Spirit, Laura Healing with Spirit, or Healing Trauma through Spirit. The podcast is Triggers and Spiritual Medicine, and my website is www.laurahealingwithspirit.com. Awesome. So to the audience, all of those links are right down below in the show notes. Feel, you know, whatever your favorite way to connect with people, please tap one and get connected with Laura. Um, get a copy of her book if you're so called or connect directly with her if that works. So Laura, thank you so much for sharing your story, for doing the work that you do, for helping us all find ways to heal our, ourselves as well as the generations, because I know this world is in desperate need of that type of healing. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for creating this amazing platform for for survivors to really really kind of because your platform is also helping survivors unpack. So thank you. We need, we need more of this and we need more conversations like this. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. To the audience who joined us today, thank you for joining us and listening in. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love and flow, and may your